is up and welcome back to the next America. I'm your host, Jamie Lynn Wellnow. I'm very excited about today's guest. She is my friend, Jessie Green, and her and her husband, Parker, are the founders of Saturate Global. They have been leading tent revivals and they have been preaching the gospel even when the nation was shut down because they knew the gospel and they knew Jesus was the answer and the solution to all of the problems that we are seeing in our nation. And so they have had crazy, amazing testimonies from it. But I will say Jesse is a personal friend of mine and I absolutely love her. I love the conversations we have. I love how much she loves people. I love how much she loves this nation. I love that she hears God's voice and she does it. And um, her and her husband are such an incredible balance together and such a powerhouse duo. And so I just, they have so much favor on their life too, um, from just who they are and they have incredible stories. So I say this because I'm excited for you to hear from her and what she sees in America and the solution she sees God bringing to the table that we can all partner with. And then also, um, if you are tuning in on YouTube, welcome. I want you to please go subscribe to our channel, like this video, hit the notification bell. There's a little bell you can click and then you'll be notified when other videos come out um, through other things that I'm doing here on my channel. And if you're listening to our podcast, what's up? Subscribe and go leave a written review. We're officially a podcast now and I want you um, to share this with your friends and let them know what we do today determines the America we live in tomorrow. So we're going to hop right in right now with my friend, Jesse Green in the next America. Okay, well, let's dive in then. Let's dive in. You know, like uh, one thing I, I want to, I'm one of those people that I'm like, let's just get straight to the steak. We don't need the side dishes. Okay. I'm a Texan. So yeah. let's go. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Okay. So let's talk about this, Jesse. Okay. You, one thing, there are many things that we connect over and I really love, I just love having conversations with you and you know, revival is something that's thrown around a lot, of course, with the greens, because you're living it and you believe in it and you're not throwing it around, you're living it. And that's the difference. And so right. before we, before we logged on, you were talking about the merge of revival and cultural transformation and how they go together. So let's just talk about that. Let's like, a lot of people do separate the two and you're like, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah, it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves, even honestly, the separation of revival and reformation. Um, I actually think that they're connected and can't exist without one another. And so a lot of times people are like, well, I'm a reformer or I'm a revivalist. And I'm like, okay, we need to just boil down some of the language that we're using because the reality is, is that first and foremost, we're all as Christians, citizens of heaven, right? So we're ambassadors of a totally different lifestyle, a totally different kingdom. Our authority is different. And even the way that we pray and think about things and even solutions to problems happening on the earth, our perspective is totally different than the earth. And so sometimes that might mean, you know, giving people an experience with the Holy Spirit, inviting them into a brand new life of following Jesus, you know, but at the same time, it means actually loving your neighbor, actually taking care of the homeless in your neighborhood. That all is actually part of the fruit of revival because we see historically every single real move of God. And I think that that's one of the markers of real revival is you start to see that cultural transformation, that cultural transformation actually happens because Christians are acting like Christians. Yeah. 
That's so real. And I love, I love um, one of the things that I've heard you say, and I'm like, it's so real. Um, if you're not living the gospel, what it, hold on, now my mind is going blank, but it's like <laughs> it's something along the lines of you really don't know Jesus if you're not living the gospel. Like you're not living the gospel if you're not out like doing something about it. Totally. And, and I feel you have that great, like God has given you the sound to be able to preach that. And I would love for you to briefly share what are some of the testimonies that you've experienced through these revival meetings or some of the testimonies that you've heard on the back end, because there's always transformation that's happening in people's hearts. And then I have another question that pertains to that after this. Yeah. So, um, honestly, the biggest thing is like, okay, so everyone that follows me kind of knows this, but I'm a huge fan of Charles Finney. He was one of the greatest revivalists in America. Um, and he really carried this message of holiness and consecration, which we both are so passionate about. And so a lot of times I'll be honest, like I try to not come up with my like new ideas about revival. I just look at what God's done before and what we see biblically and then listen to people that are way smarter than me. And I'm like, okay, what are they saying? And so one of the things that we saw in all of our events, um, whether it was on the fields in Kentucky or beaches in Orange County, was all of a sudden, you know, the power of sin and the obsession with the world was broken off of people. And so people start doing radical things like sharing the gospel in a Walmart, like crucifying their flesh and giving away generous things. You know, after our tent revival, we got reports literally the next week of five people the next week giving away cars that they owned to families in need right before the Christmas holiday. Now, for me, I'm like, I don't see that all the time in Christianity. And yet it's like, we saw this ripple effect of the church actually starting to take care of single moms. Every single single mom that came to one of our revival events said that it was none of them went with like any kind of need. They all had their finances taken care of. They were connected to local churches. And so I think we start to see that cultural transformation happen where I'll be honest, and this is not like popular opinion, but I often think that we have to make these additional organizations like different justice programs and human trafficking organizations and all of these things because the saints, the body of believers are not actually doing what we're, we're all supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so we need these, sometimes most of the time, these non-Christian organizations to take care of the poor, take care of the needy, because we're not spending time in God's presence. We're believing that our Christianity is about just ourselves. And so we're not actually living a kingdom life. And so one of the things I love, this is one of my favorite stories, was we did last summer um, a field revival in Kentucky. And we brought together 25 local churches in the region Many of them had never even heard of the other church, which was like crazy to me, but it's just kind of like the old school way of ministry in America. So anyway, this past December, like I'm talking a month ago, 
um, a major tornado hit through Kentucky, actually right near where we did our revival event. And it was all over the news. It like just completely destroyed these homes. And all of a sudden we get an email from one of our church partners that a bunch of the churches that met at Saturate that past summer were mobilizing an outreach to actually rebuild the homes that were destroyed during the Toronto and do prayer meetings and evangelism in this like wreckage. And they said, they're like, literally we would have never been able to mobilize this because we didn't even know each other. And so that's one of my favorite things that I see in revival is it's like, God is like uniting his body for this greater purpose. And we talk about cultural reformation and all of that. And yet, like, we don't even know each other. Yeah, that's so true. You know, that's one of the biggest things I've seen continuing to minister moving forward. The more people I meet, the more territory we take on together. And I think that's a big key because Jesus sent people out in twos. And I'm like, he literally sent people on twos all the time. And there's a purpose. And I'm like, that is literally, you know, sometimes it's like, why are we reinventing the wheel? And I do love what you said too. I'm, I'm a big, like, I'm a big believer in what you said. Like we would not have to be doing what we're doing today. I even wonder what my call would look like apart from so much of the fallen world. If, but, but because we've been silent as a church in so many areas, I am having to, and I do get to bring the kingdom of heaven into dark places that had we been speaking up all along, wouldn't even need to exist. So I think that's so sobering because even with the next America, I think, man, what we do today really does determine the America we live in tomorrow. So we actually do need to mobilize right now today, or we'll be, the darkness will be even darker, you know, when our kids are our age and I, I want them to inherit heaven on earth. So, um, okay. So another question I have for you. I love, I just love this conversation so much. So, um, so for you, when you think of cultural transformation, partnering with revival, cause I love what you're saying, you know, these, are, this is what you've seen in revival. This is clearly fruit. This isn't the spirit. This is what I say. I'm like, this isn't the spirit of Jamie Lynn or Jesse green that is causing people to produce change. This is the presence of God. This is the Holy spirit within them that is leading them and guiding them. So culturally speaking, how do you see America transforming with the partnership or revival moving forward? Yeah, this is like a pretty heavy thing actually on my heart because I'll be honest and I don't share this a lot. Um, I actually don't know if there will be a future America like as a country um, as we know it if we don't have revival. And I, I feel that with an urgency. Yeah. Um, I feel it with the fear of God literally on me. And sometimes it, like people are like, you're very intense, like when you're at conferences and meetings. And it's because I, I just honestly, I, and I know like people are weird about nationalism and all this stuff, but I really love America. Like I would give my life for this country and I love where I live. I love what this country was founded on. I love <laughs> democracy and just the ability to innovate and create and mobilize things. And so I, I think what we have as a nation here really is unique. If you look at nations across the globe. And so even as a woman, I'll just be honest, like 
the liberties that we have as American women, you know, I've lived in third world countries and I, it just made me have so much gratitude. Um, and I, I never want to take that for granted, you know? And so I actually feel this like weighty fear that if we, the church specifically, if we don't just wake up and start acting and behaving like people that have received the Holy Spirit, like people that are living a brand new life, that have creative solutions to end poverty, to try like transform cities. If we don't switch into gear, honestly, even just simple things like sl not slandering people, you know, <laughs> all of that crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think if we don't actually get into gear with this, I just don't think that literally as soon as the next generation, um, that they will have the country that many of us live in, in today. And I think about my kids, I have three little kids and I'm not trying to make this like an overly emotional thing, but the reality is, is if you study history, which a lot of people don't, um, it really doesn't take a lot for a nation to totally flip around into absolute tyranny and chaos where all of a sudden you're in a situation like the Holocaust. Um, and I just am one of those people where I think, you know, we have statistically enough Christians in this nation to be able to, I think, change legislation, change what government and policies look like um, and really transform culture. But the reality is, and I think COVID was the best indicator of this was when everything was blowing up, um, a lot of Christians just like had no idea what to do and like went right into fear. Yeah. And for me, that's like extremely concerning. <laughs> that's so true. I think, I think it's amazing. I, one of those people which we've talked about my love language is correction and so I feel like that even comes in shaking where I'm like what am I made of when am I really yeah. one when hard moments come and that's because I've been through enough hard moments in my life to realize the value that can be produced in it I is what I would assume because I haven't always felt this way about it but <laughs> I I really agree I agree with you I mean something has switched in me there's been more clarity granted you know the past year has been a transition for me alone in my in the vision the Lord's given me in the call and the connections and whatever's happening and I am convinced more than ever that my call on the earth is to make sure men and women are filled with the Holy Spirit and that they are moving forward and taking action from that place period like I I'm convinced whatever it takes to do that and so I I feel I feel such a weight on what you're saying because I feel it's such a heavenly way to express what so many people who are not operating in, who may have been filled with the Holy spirit at one time, but they're turning to world's wisdom and they are right. slandering and they are making, they are becoming nationalist or they are, you know, right. taking on something that they believe they're fighting for, but it's not with God. And so I love the language you're using because it's like, it's real. And it's like this mothering thing that comes that I feel like has come over you as like a mama in this nation. And it's like, I'm going to cut this with the sword. And I, I dream of many people being able to communicate like you just did about our nation. Um, yeah. But also you have a love for our nation. So that's 
part of it too. You have a love for all people. And I think that's the key is that it's, God is not like I'm Republican. I'm Democrat. <laughs> I chose 12 Republican di- disciples to go on out there and change the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, and it's funny because Jamie, like we've talked about this before privately, but even like, I mean, all the time people try to put Parker and I in a box and uh, try to like attach us to different agendas and different things. And I feel like sometimes I'm like screaming from the rooftops, like, no, like whatever you think that I'm about is probably not that. And I'm probably going to offend you at some point because the reality is, is like, okay, so statistically, 74% of America is Christian, right? That's what like surveys have shown us. And then you look around and it just seems like we're in utter chaos right now, right? And I just keep thinking over and over like about my kids and about our nation and about the future of like, okay, I know this sounds weird, but if you're in the charismatic circle, right, you kind of go to these different conferences and it seems like everything's like pretty good. Like people are filled with the Holy Spirit and all this stuff. And you can sometimes have these like rose colored glasses on about like the state of the, the world or Christianity. But honestly, if you spend some time with people that don't know Jesus, and you actually get out of the bubble and get out of the doors and walls of the church, I think that we can see that there's a war happening. And right now the church is not winning. And I know that that's not like a fun, like no one's gonna like make a conference about like how we're losing the war and uh, it's not popular podcast material but the reality is is like we see in scripture we're promised victory right and we're supposed to carry authority and supposed to transform culture but right now we're not doing that and uh, we can think we're doing that we can sell out conferences honestly like we can fill every single stadium in this nation but when you actually are on the streets with people you know we can see that there is still so much suffering and even people's view of Christ is so off. And then here's the scary thing. And this is why I'm so passionate about revival. And I think we all have different assignments, which is why I love you as a friend, because we all always talk about these different things and the way God's made the body in such a beautiful way. But the craziest thing for me is this, like I visit so many churches that they, they aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are not even able to hear from God. And for me, that's terrifying because that seems like it should be foundational Christian stuff. So for I'm like, okay, I love, like, let's take the seven mountains. Let's, you know, hit up entertainment and totally change these things. Also, like, let's make sure, like, I love what you're saying about what you're passionate about because I'm like, like, is every Christian filled with the Holy Spirit? Are every, is every Christian able to hear from God? Are they able to discern if things are good or if they're bad? Because like, let's say God promotes you to like take on the mountain of politics and you can't hear from the Holy Spirit when you're on the top of that mountain, guess what's gonna happen? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, we need to try to go to every city we can, get into every church we can, into every denomination, because like 
my th biggest thing is like, could you imagine your whole life? You think you have what Jesus gave you and you realize in eternity, like you just didn't even scratch the surface of what was actually available to you. Like how heart wrenching is that, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And I will say like, I, I'm, I am so grateful that God has revealed what he has. And, and I, I literally, I, I just, but we're meeting people like this. So it feels so hopeful. Like, I love the people who are just putting their hands to the plow and not advertising it everywhere. And you meet them and you're like, right. yeah, like you're, you're literally demolishing hell in America. You're demolishing hell in your community, yeah. which is where it starts. And it's like, you're really like doing the work. And, and I feel that there is something, but I also agree with you that if more don't mobilize that you don't like there is it is like that tipping point that I've heard Patricia talk about so many times it's like we can either right. this way we can either hand over our country or we can fight for it and take back the kingdom of heaven by force you know and not in the way the world would but yeah <laughs> and you know what too and like in first Corinthians 2 it talks about wisdom and it talks about the two different kinds and the worldly wisdom is what put Jesus on a cross so even today for anyone listening, if you don't have the Holy spirit and you feel you're operating in wisdom, Jesus could be moving all around you. And it could be the one thing you're judging and criticizing and putting back on a cross, which he's already alive or putting your friends on a cross when they're actually right. operating in heavenly wisdom. Cause it's going to look janky, weird, crazy to somebody who doesn't have heavenly wisdom when they're operating <laughs> that way. Right. Totally. Totally. And that's why I think discernment is going to be so key. And I think the next 10 years, um, cause even I think we've seen like just the mess, even in the like prophetic movement in the last year and God just refining things. And then everyone calling each other false prophets. And you're like, okay, this is not what discernment looks like. And like, it, it just what, I don't know. I'm like, guys, we gotta like figure this out because yeah. the reality is, is that, you know, I, from what I can tell. God is releasing his glory in a very tangible way. And it seems to be, from what I'm seeing, it seems to be like increasing, like, like we read from glory to glory. We read that in second Corinthians. And I just think that we are hitting a moment where, you know, God is really trying to like retrain our focus and get our focus back on him. Um, but yeah, I, I think the reality is, is what we're seeing is it seems like God's increasing his glory. So even different events we're going to, we're seeing more salvations than the year prior. We're seeing more people delivered, more people healed. And it's not from like a minister laying hands on them. It's just like happening out in the crowds, like all over the place. So for me, that makes me really hopeful because, um, I, I believe God is releasing something brand new, but I do think it's one of these things where like, what are we going to do with that? And my heart sometimes breaks because I've gone to some places and done meetings and they've been like, we want revival. We want revival. We want revival. And God moves in power. And then they're like, nothing changes. And yeah. they, I, I, and then it almost like, there's like this weird increase in them slandering one another and competing with one another. And so for me, even in regards to prayer over certain regions and stuff, I'm like, 
okay, this is really interesting because some areas are really hosting the presence of God really well and stewarding revival. And then it does seem like other regions in our nation are rejecting Jesus. Yeah. And so I just don't know what that all will end up looking like, but um, we do ultimately have a choice, which is sometimes terrifying. It's true, but it's also epic. I'm like, that's, isn't that what America wants? A choice. It's like what America's crying out for. I'm like, like, yeah, he gave you a choice. Like literally it's up to you. Um, so I want to, I want to dive into this, the, the last, uh, few minutes that we have together. Holiness, revival. Let's dive into holiness. Go for it, girlfriend. Yeah, I actually, it's something we've talked about, obviously, a lot. Um, We both release on the same day, two books. And I actually feel like that was prophetic because I think God does things like that to show what he is doing. And I released a book on revival called Wildfires. And then you released a book about holiness called Holy Revolution. And I really believe that, first of all, one, um, I believe that God is raising up a remnant across the nations um, that have this hunger and desire to consecrate themselves. Um, They don't like, they just don't want to meddle with things in the world. And not that they're not in the world, um, because that's a whole other thing. They actually are very influential in culture and in the world, but they're not consumed by it. And I feel like God's bringing these people up. And what's beautiful is I actually feel like he's connecting them together too. And so I keep seeing this happening just all over the place. People that have this burning conviction of like repent, like make yourself pure. Um, And so I think this holy movement is going to sweep across the nation. Now, what I feel, and this is just from prayer, this is not like a thus saith the Lord thing, but what I'm sort of gathering is I actually feel like this holiness movement is the threshing floor of our generation. And I believe, and I feel the anointing actually on it right now. I, I believe that as God brings in his presence in such a tangible way that we're going to be offered a choice of if we want to live holy lives or we don't. And I don't know how many opportunities we're going to have to make that choice. Um, Just in what is happening in our nation. um, I think God is literally searching for people that he can bring into his army for whatever is going to be happening. I think that there is more suffering coming, which is not popular, but Um, I think that it's about to get crazier. I think we're going to get a little bit more persecution, but the beauty of it is, is like when you face those things, you get more of him, you experience more of him. You feel more connection with other believers. Like you and I, like some of the greatest things we've connected on is through like just even digital persecution. Yeah. And so I actually think like some of the closest people on the earth are people that have fought a war together, right? Like Marines and the SEALs, like these people are like bonded through suffering. And I, I think that um, we haven't been taught about suffering in the church. Yeah. And I, I think that holiness is the only thing that helps you to survive suffering. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, if he is holiness and we look at him and we get transformed by him, then you have to look at his life. He suffered more 
than I ever will right. on the earth, right? <laughs> right? And he was so pure and loving and kind. And it's, it's what's mind blowing to me is one of the things that you mentioned earlier, which I hope this isn't a rabbit trail. What's mind blowing to me is that the holiness of Jesus was preaching and moving in power. And there were thousands of people. I don't remember what area, maybe you'll remember the address in the word. Um, he was preaching to thousands of people and they're like, this is amazing seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. And he was like, follow me. And literally none of them did. None of them would follow me. And then he looked at the disciples and said, and this is so grieving. And he was even like, are you going, are you going to leave me too? Or are you going to continue to follow me? And they continued to follow him. But out of the thousands of people he was preaching to, none of them would follow him except the ones that were close to him because they saw the cost and they saw the value of it. And I just don't know how we can be holy without that relational side of being that close to continue to follow him. And that's what I am like. I actually grieve over the church often because I'm like, I could see why people wouldn't follow him, but it's because right. of what the world right. is dishing out and so subconsciously distracting us from the very thing. And we're unaware as the, as a church. And that is the thing that I want to cut, you know, like I want to cut through that. And, um, I know we both talked about this, but holiness is the only thing that has brought me freedom. And I couldn't have produced it in myself. It was time in his word and literally listening to him and his heart and getting to know his character. And he got rid of junk in my life that was impure and was keeping me from loving people. Well, he got rid of so much. Like I can celebrate literally the hell out of this world. Like I'm not jealous of people. Right. I don't compare myself to right. to people like you and I have had really funny conversations that were really real <laughs> that 10 years ago, I would have been like, so jealous or so like hard on myself because of literal, I like could start laughing right now. And I'm like, no, literally like, no, this is just what's happening. And this is my lane right now. And this is what's happening. And you're right. here and I'm celebrating you legit. And this is the results of my sound right now. You know what I mean? But only well, God can do that. Really quick, Jamie, something I will say that does set you apart though, that I, cause like, I will say a lot of people are like, okay, great. Like I want to do that, blah, blah, blah. But something I've watched you do is you do walk in an extreme level of humility and uh, you open up yourself for hard conversations and you're like willing to have hard conversations and you're like submitted to spiritual authority. You have people that are wiser speaking into your life. You have peers around you that like you fight for those friendships, you know? So you do the, like, I will give you this. And I think that this is a testament for a lot of people because they're like, yeah, like I want to live a holy life, but, but like it is hard work. And I've watched you decide to do the hard thing over and over and over again. And I think in that it's like produced in you this like overflow of holiness. And it's like every single time you make those decisions, right? It's like, I think it's bringing you more into his presence and more ironically into like who you're meant to be. Yeah. And so I think- What's crazy is this, is that I actually think most of us, if I'm perfectly honest, are missing those opportunities because they come in like everyday normal things where like the enemy just gives you little baits to like live unholy. Yeah. And I've watched you over and over and over and over again, just not take the bait and actually like counter and go like in the opposite spirit. And I think that's what, um, 
that's what revival starts to steward like in people, like it starts to create that, but it's just the beginning. And then we need to daily, like I've seen you do make those decisions to live holy lives, you know? Thank you. Yeah. It's interesting with what you're saying too, because, you know, revival has been defined so many different ways, but revival really does look like something. And I think revival, and I would love to hear you speak into this. I feel like revival is what helps maintain. I think it's what ignites a life of holiness. First of all, when you're around it and you choose, you choose it like in that moment, like something may happen to you and maybe you didn't choose it, but you get to choose from that point on to continue to live with that encounter, that experience, whatever happened to you and your heart becomes transformed. And then this holy life comes, but how would you communicate that? I know we're kind of, I want to keep this, this is kind of how we're closing it out, but I do feel this is such a major key. Like I read your book and I felt like I was watching a TV show in the world. <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, I mean, like, I mean this in the most complimentary way I'm saying, like, I love the way you wrote. Cause it was like going back from this scene, back to this scene, the way a TV only that I've only seen a TV show do it. And I don't even know that you meant to do that, but it was awesome. And, um, and I don't, I have a hard time reading sometimes just because, but your book, I just like swept through it. And you you have, you have lived in the world and you have been revived and now you're living this holy life. And I just, and maybe it doesn't even need definition of revival holiness and what it looks like, but clearly this is more valuable to you than what you had before. And so what would you say to those people who, well, you could answer the other question too, like if there is an order, if it even needs to be defined, but so many of us are holding on to family that are living in the world and are losing hope. Yet here you are a living testament of God's faithfulness. Like, you know, like I would totally lay down my life for you, girl. You're like rock star all in. There's nothing like literally you're all in and you're so real about it. And I've heard you also confess like, man, you know, this is a tempting thing that comes in, but no. And you like swat it down because you know, you can't live that way. (laughs) you know? So I don't know if this makes sense. That's kind of a complicated. No, totally. No, I I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, okay. So my personal like obsession with revival specifically is first of all, I think it's just like, I do think God deposits like assignments on people. Right. So like, I actually never wanted to be a revivalist and I like, didn't like try to become one. It was one of those things. One day God literally told me in prayer, you're a revivalist. I wrote it down in my journal and then I Googled what is a revivalist and ended up buying books about Charles Finney because that's what I found. So that's my like love for Finney was that gave my whole paradigm of what revival is. And then like eight years later, every like church is like talking about revival, but back then no one was, and right. I didn't even know what it was. Yes. <laughs> and so the trailblazing um, pioneer in you eight years ago. That sound. <laughs> yeah. And so it's funny. Cause everyone's like, how did you know? You know? And I was like, honestly, I just, I was, I was like content being a street evangelist and I liked being on the street, sharing the gospel with people. And I think that sometimes we don't realize it's like the little steps is what actually gets us into the things that God's 
purposed for us. And we just think like, I don't know, I'm going to lead revival. And it's like, well, if you're actually like not praying for anyone ever, you're probably not going to lead revival. Hate to break it to you. Um, But that's another whole podcast we could do. (laughs) But um, I, when I got saved in my bedroom, I didn't get saved from an evangelist. I didn't get saved in a church. I got saved because the Holy Spirit showed up and intervened because I wanted to die. And I grew up in the church. And I think that there were seeds in me from hearing the gospel growing up as a kid. And the Holy Spirit drew on that to give me an encounter. Now, my encounter with God was so real that I knew that God was real. And it wasn't, I didn't have theology down. Like I, I didn't even own a Bible. Like I, I actually thought Christians were weird and kind of nerdy and wanted nothing to do with them. If I'm totally honest. And so, um, so it was one of those things where, and I honestly will say it's as simple as this. I all of a sudden was awakened to the fact that God, like who created the whole universe was actually real and I could like feel him. And that freaked me out. And it also created this thing in me where I was like, okay, if God's real, that kind of seems like the most important thing in the world. Like what endeavor could be more important than like figuring that out? (laughs) You know, like, like if he can breathe like planets into being like, that seems like somewhat more important than like having designer bags or whatever. And so I just kept going on this journey, just being like, if you're real, I just want to know you. I just want to know you. And I, I still feel like I'm just on this journey where I'm just obsessed with finding out more about God. And the more I find out, there's like, whoa, there's more to find out. And there's more. And I think that's why it's easy for me to make friends um, and not feel competition. Cause I'm like, you know, things that I don't know. And I really want to know them. Like, what is God yeah. telling you? Yeah. You know, like, and you have one puzzle piece. I have another, like, let's link them up and um, see what he's doing. And so the reason why I love revival is this, and I was just talking to someone about this last week is like, we're doing two revival events this year. They're freaking expensive. And every single time we plan them, we don't have enough money. And uh, like people think we're this like huge ministry, like it's four of us now. And the last two years, it was just me and that was it. And sometimes Parker. And you weren't even even, like getting paid. (laughs) No, the opposite. We literally couldn't even pay our rent for most months that we were doing these huge events. Um, (laughs) And it like, it's just, there's so many stories with that, but we were broke, broke, broke. And uh, God was just telling us to pay a high price. And I just kept thinking the reason why I like revival more than one-on-one street evangelism is this, because there's more people. And I know people are like, like there's this whole like weird false humility thing happening in the body of Christ right now of like, I don't care about crowds. I just care about the one. And I'm like, okay, let's just call out the false humility because the reality is, is if you do have a pure heart, you see the crowd as a lot of one. Yeah. And it's just more people that can encounter him. And so I love the one-on-one 
But I love, like, I am praying for our events this year that God brings in the masses because I want the masses to experience a living God. And I have this, like, just this burning hope that if they really know him, it's like the pearl of great price. Like you'll give up everything if you really know him. And so I think the state of Christianity we see in America is just revealing to us that many of us don't know him at all. Yeah. And so we're living this Christianity that's lifeless, that's hard, that's boring, to be honest. Yeah. And I thought church was so boring. I was like, Ugh, to sit here and listen to like a 40 minute message about like, who cares? Like how to balance your finances. Like- I just don't even care. Like, and yet now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I meet people and I'm like, they can see angels and demons and call down different dimensions and all this stuff. And like, I've seen gold dust on my hands and I'm like, what the heck is all of this? Like, this is available to all of us. Like we need to tell the crowds. Yeah, that's so cool. It's like, this isn't just like, so many people are fascinated with the supernatural movies and it's like, but there's like way more of that, <laughs> way more of that. Like it's real, but not that, but this is real. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. so good. Okay. Okay. This has been amazing. And we will definitely be hearing from more of you. If that even makes sense. <laughs> I'm totally not editing this part. Uh, we're going to hear from you more in the future with the next America. And I do want to thank you, Jesse, for you really have, I know, I mean, just the truth is the truth. You hear the Lord and you do it and you take big risk. And the people that I admire the most are the people who are willing to take a bigger risk because they hear God and they know he'll provide. And so thank you for your time. Where can people follow you, find you, where can they support these amazing revival meetings that you guys have going on? Yeah, so um, our ministry website is saturateglobal.com. And then uh, our personal ministries is, if you just go to jessiegreen.com and you can find out stuff there. Um, my Instagram is jessiegreen. There's no E's at the end of anything. So it makes it a little bit simpler. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, and then, yeah, my book, Wildfires, you can get on Amazon or our website. It's so um, good. Yeah. I also want to encourage people, seriously, go follow Jesse. I love her. Um, I think you have such an anointing to be you. And there's literally, I could never compare <laughs> you to anybody else. And you really are transforming America and you don't care what people say. And I mean that in a loving way. You care about people, but they're not going to keep you from doing what God has said. And you and your husband are just an incredible duo. So go follow them. Go get her book. If you have not read Wildfires, I am telling you right now, it is the most incredible testimony filled book I've ever heard. It's real life. It's like watching a TV show, but like, I'm just visual when I read, I just love the way you wrote it. And it, and it gives you hope to keep praying even for your family members who are not yet saved because once again, it was the Holy spirit that touched Jesse yeah. and changed her life forever in her room alone. And so anything is possible with God. And so thank you so much for your time, Jesse. Yeah, Everybody go, yeah, go put your money into these revival meetings. The testimonies are insane. The fact that all these churches gather to help rebuild homes and they wouldn't have known each other to connect like that. And 
help build these homes that were affected by the tornado that went through Kentucky. That's just right there in itself. God is doing something. So you're sowing into good soil and you will reap what you sow. So go sow into something beautiful and amazing. And remember what we do today determines the America we live in tomorrow. So be courageous, get out there, share the gospel. And I will see you guys next week on the next America.